it's time for a new episode of TMG. Hi, everybody. Welcome to TMG. I'm your host, Travis Patton Sr. I enjoy discovering and sharing real-life moments of inspiration from everyday people. And this show is about finding moments of inspiration for our everyday lives. And look, and if you're going to tell me something, then tell me something good. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a brand new episode of TMG. That's Tell Me Something Good. I'm your host, Travis Patton Singer. Guys, listen, I'm so excited to be here tonight. And listen, guys, as always, as we get started, don't forget to visit our YouTube page. That's Tell Me Something Good with Capital T. There it is, right there on your screen. Guys, I'm so excited to be here tonight. Super excited about what we're going to talk about and super excited all about this show, guys. Listen, listen, I am, I can barely wait. So listen, guys, as you know, in a very short time, this show has taken off. And it's being heard in places all around the globe. Guys like Canada, um, in Korea, guys in the Philippines, Japan, New England, guys, great. But this is just a fantastic place where things have taken off. And as always, before we get started, I gotta give a huge shout out to my biggest supporter, my best fan, my lovely wife Nicole. Hey, girl, that's your shout out. I know you're watching. I know you're listening, man. Listen, if this is your first time tuning into the show, let me tell you, thank you, thank you for watching. Maybe you joined by mistake. Uh, maybe somebody told you. Who knows? But I'm glad you're listening to the show. And then you decide to tune into this episode tonight. Maybe you said, Travis, man, listen, I've been down with you and I've been rocking with you since day one. If you have, thank you. I'm so glad that you've been tuning into the show. Guys, listen, you know that this show is all about finding moments of inspiration in our everyday life, like and with everyday people like you and like me. So if you have an inspiring story that you would like to share with us or maybe become a guest on the show, email us right there on your screen. That's tellmesomething21 at gmail.com. And maybe you're going to go back and you're going to listen to this later and not watch the video. Let me go ahead and spell it out for you. It's T-E-L-L-me-something21 at gmail. Dot com. Guys, listen, if you have not caught it, tonight's episode is entitled Survive. Yeah, yeah, tonight's episode, guys, is entitled Survive. Listen, and I know you may be saying, Travis, where in the world are you going to go with that? Stick around, guys, with our very special guest. You will see exactly where I'm going. With that, guys, listen, almost everyone has seen those movies or TV shows in which a person is seen walking in a desert, right? Have you, have you wait, put your hand up? You're saying in chat, they have seen one. Well, you've kind of seen those movies 
or those TV shows where people seem to be either trapped in the desert or they're walking through the desert or the only way to get to where they're going is to cross a desert. And they say that's the shortest route. The shortest route is through the desert. Oh my God, what a route. And they have to take the desert route in order to get where they go. So kind of almost all of us, right, have seen those movies or TV shows in kind of in which a person is seen walking in a desert trying to survive the scorching temperature and the element. I, I know I have. I have. And, and and not to mention trying to survive the hunger, right? You see, like, oh, I'm starving. And now, of course, the wildlife, the snakes, the scorpions, and all the other things that you see uh, in the desert. And finally, of course, they're in the desert, in the heat, surviving everything. And of course, not to mention, all the water and the thirsty, how thirsty they become. And finally, the individual makes it out of the desert, right? You see, they make it out of the desert, whether they're crawling or whether they're hopping or whatever. But finally, the individual makes it out of the desert, finally get out, and they're breathing hard. They're sweating. They can barely stand. And I begin to think that Sometimes, sometimes that's how life comes at us. It comes at us in waves. I'm thinking about it. Somebody's in a desert, they're hot, they gotta avoid the animals, they gotta be thirsty, they're gonna be hungry, they're sweating. And then on top of that, they gotta wonder how in the world am I going to get out of this? Am I ever going to see civilization again? Is there ever going to be some sense of normalcy again? And that's how life can come at us sometimes. It can just come at us in waves. Am I right? Anybody in chat ever experienced life coming at you in waves? Just type it in chat for me. Say, yeah, buddy, that's been me. Sometimes life has been coming at me in waves. If it hasn't been one thing, it's been another thing. If you didn't have to survive this, you've had to survive that. You've gotten over this, and now you've got to survive that. Can somebody that watching put it in chat say, yeah, me too. Yep, right here, guys. Coming at us in waves. Listen, one thing, then the next, until it kind of pushes us to say, I will survive. Yes, yeah, sometimes some things can just push us to say, you know what? I will survive. I, I'm not going to let this break me. It's not going to take me out. I may not like it, but I will survive because whatever we can pull through, we can survive. Guys, listen, our guest today uh, wears a lot of hats, a lot of hats, man. Uh, she's a, a, a licensed cosmetologist. And she, listen, guys, she's right here in Birmingham, Alabama. Yeah, that's right. She's representing Birmingham today. Um, so she's a licensed cosmetologist, guys, a social media content creator, 
and a two-time, that's right, a two-time author. Guys, let's give a huge TMG welcome to our author, our very special guest, TSPS. Guys, let's give it up. How you doing today, girl? Hey, what's going on? What's going on? <laughs> I'm feeling good. Feeling good. I, I'm so glad, so honored that you decided to take the time to be a part of the show tonight. Uh, we are honored that you are here. Uh, and, and it looks like everybody's already saying hello. They already throwing throwing thumbs up. So they're glad you joined. So, uh, so you wear a lot of hats. Uh, on your head. So we're going to dive into that, but we're just so glad that you're here. Listen, uh, do me a favor. Okay. You and I have had some conversations before the show, uh, lots of conversations. So look, I know a little bit about you. Our guests, they don't know anything about you a little bit. Shit, if you don't mind, share a little bit about yourself. Introduce yourself to the audience. Okay, okay. I, I, I give you a rundown, give you a rundown. Okay. But uh, <laughs> you've already said author, writer, content creator. Uh, also a cosmetologist, but um, as for me, I grew up in a small town, um, and you know how it is when you grow up in a small town, you know, everybody know everybody, or either right, you right. or, you know, you, you, your friends or some kin, but, um, you know, growing up in a small town, um, it really, you know, sort of helped with uh, a lot of values. Um, my dad passed away when I was um, six years old, and um, at the age of five, I did become interested in doing hair and I became interested in you know writing in which you know the things that you like to do when you're a child you tend to you know do in the future so those are like gifts that you have as a child you end up doing it in the future I never knew that I would be doing that but those are things that I enjoyed when I was a kid um I started working um basically at the age of 13 um start take care of myself at that age as well and even with being 13 um me taking care of myself me paying bills I did hold down between two and four jobs at the same time, having to stay on the honor roll from the age of 13 to 18, you know, uh, all the while that I was in school. So as you can see, I hustle. Um, I moved from Mississippi to Alabama um, at the age of 19, um, ran the street, you know, with a couple of thugs and unsavory people. <laughs> I'm just going to say it like that. You know, a couple of, you know, drunk thieves, killers, you know, we all used to be something now. Okay? But um. I did go to college. I went to college at the age of 20. And um, while I was in college, I had two jobs in college and still maintained a 4.0 GPA. And at the age of 24, uh, God pretty much had to put a stop to me running around in the streets and stuff like that. Um, so I decided to get saved, started going to church. Um, I did have one foot in the church and one foot, you know what I'm saying, you know, in the world. So I was still like doing my thing, you know what I'm saying? But <laughs> I feel like a lot of us, in other words. So, like a lot of us, in other words. Well, my time, you know, but the killer part about it is, um, I started getting rejected by my crowd. So, I think the thing about it was my time was up. You know, I think I was like, you know what, you played around long enough. You know, time up. It's time for you to start getting serious about me. So, you know, when I decided to start getting serious about God, and He started showing me the things that He had been doing for me over the years, you know, that's when the book was birthed. So, yeah. Awesome. We, we're going to dive into some of that book, guys. Listen, man, <laughs> that, uh, listen, we can't give you the whole book, okay? We can't uh -huh. give you the whole book. We're going to give you some good stories, though. We're going to give some good stories. We're some of it because we want you to hear it. Listen, right. uh, and how, how, if, if someone was, was, was pronounced, how do you pronounce your, your, your last name? Size. I, I knew it. Just uh, like saying the size of your clothes, size of your shoes. Size. 
so Arthur, Arthur Science, let me ask you a question. You, yeah. you, you, you have kind of described yourself as a lot of us. You know, we, we, we're young. We start off young. We have these dreams and these goals, mm -hmm. right? And yeah. and things, life happens. Life <laughs> begins to happen. It's kind of the same about what we mentioned about though when we began about being in a desert. Life happens to oh, yeah. all of us. Oh, yeah. Life happens to every. And let me, guys, let me share this with you. Regardless of the expectations that you have and the dreams you and dreams and goals, life will come to test whatever oh, yeah. your dream is. Life oh, yeah. will test your dream. Life will test oh, your yeah. goal. Life will test your expectations. I'm not saying don't expect better. I'm not saying don't believe better for yourself. What I'm saying is don't give up on what you're believing and hoping for because you will be tested. Whatever oh, yeah. it is that we desire to be, whether it just be personal goals for ourselves, life will always come to test what we believe in regards to what it is, whether you believe that chair will hold you or not. Trust me, sit down in it. Life will test you. <laughs> That's what life is going to do. Guys, no, we're talking right. about survive. And, and, and science, you've already science, you've already talked about some things that you've had to survive. So you've already from your youth have oh, yeah. kind of adopted, man, I've got to survive some things. Your tough times, your parents not being there for you. So you've kind of from your very youth, from very young, learning to survive. Where some people say, well, you know, at that age, I'm learning to thrive and hanging out with friends and I'm learning to grow. No, no. You you had a different story. You've had to learn early that you had to survive. Right, right. Exactly. Wow. wow. Yeah. I had to well, learn very early that um I had to survive. See, um, the thing about it is, it's like um, you know, when you're looking at your surroundings, mm -hmm. you know, and you see you don't really see much. You know, oh, it's sort of put you in survival mode already. You get what I'm saying? And then mm. on top of that, you got your, you know, your situations and your circumstances and stuff like that, you know, that's added on to, you know, you having to, to survive. So like even with a couple of examples of, you know, just having to survive, you know, just growing up poor, you know what I'm saying? And then you mm. not having everything that you need, you know, you already, you know, holding on, scrapping on right now just to try to survive, you know, um, me being bullied because after my dad died, I got bullied up until the age of 11. You wow. know what I'm saying? Wow. My, my prayer then to God, and like I said, I ain't no much. All I did was ask God, look, God, um, I'm going to need to be bigger than everybody else that's bullying me because I'm, <laughs> <of getting, laughs> I'm tired of getting bullied. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, God, this, this ain't going to work. This ain't going to work, Lord. And, and it's like one summer, I just shot up and I got huge. I got like bigger than everybody. So I'm like, yeah, what's up? What's up? Y'all can't bully me no more. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, you know, I had to go through that, you know, from the age of, you know, six when my dad died to the age of 11, you know, uh, constantly, you know, getting bullied and, you know, just having to go through, and a lot of people don't like to talk about it, but having to go through sexual assault as well, you know, being a child. So, you know, that was a, a whole nother thing added on top of, you know, being bullied and then, you know, growing up poor and people taking advantage of you and taking advantage of your kindness and, you know, um, when I got older, you know, now you have to deal with people taking from you and stealing from you. And I'm like, OK, you know, but God knew how much I can handle. You know what I'm saying? But 
you know, for the most part. Um, and even with like helping my mom out, because even though I was in the same house with my mom, we didn't have a relationship. But at the same time, this still didn't, you know, mean that I wasn't going to help. I wasn't going to give to her. I wasn't going to pay any bills. Right, you know what I'm right, saying? Right. I moved up here. Um, I took care of my mom for like a whole entire 10 years. You know, I helped. I gave. I did this and I did that. And to say it's five of us and I'm the youngest, I was the only person that was doing anything. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I'm trying to help her survive and help me survive and then, you know, still go through everything that I'm going through. So, yeah, it, it was a lot. <laughs> I, 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 I can't even begin to imagine, you know, at that age, you know, what you may have been going through emotionally and what may have, what may be going through with your mind, you know, mentally, you know, where it may have placed you in a, in a mindset mentally of what was going on. At a time where you were one of your most vulnerable times in your life, I mean, you're still trying to discover who you are, yeah. and not not just as a person, and not just as a person of color, but as a but as a human being, mm -hmm. as a young human. I mean, as a human being, you're still trying to discover yourself, you know. And as a young woman, you're still trying to discover who you are, and you're already having to jump into a survival mode and so it already kind of some would say it puts you at a disadvantage because where some individuals could say well you know i got my bigger their biggest worry is what dresses they're what dresses they're going to wear you know what's what homework was well yours may have been with jeans i'm gonna wear whatever i got and you know exactly because well, i'm the youngest so you know i'm getting hand-me-downs all over the place you know? oh man that's that's a whole other that's a whole other episode <laughs> hand-me-downs i'm gonna leave that alone that's a whole other story, uh, uh, guys. That's a whole other story because we have all, and, and talking about survive, we have all at one point felt like hand-me-downs. Mm -hmm. I don't care who you are. I don't care what part of stage of life you're in. We've all felt like life has just kind of just passed us over. Uh, that that promotion you thought you was the best candidate for passed you over. Uh, you, you thought some opportunities just passed you over. And you look at other people and you say, man, what did they do to deserve what they got? And I got to survive. Uh, we're going to get into this, guys. I'm talking, you got a lot of people jumping on here. Uh, Monica uh, saying uh, hello to you. She said, hey, uh, Monica Christian. Hey, uh, Monica. Hey, girl. There she is. She's she waving at you right about now. Yeah, that's, that's, so, my, that's my buddy. That's my buddy. That's well, my your buddy right saying hey. So, uh, <laughs> but guys, this 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 is so important that we understand that sometimes people are dealing with what they're dealing with, not because they're mean, not because they just horrible people. People are trying to survive. And after this, guys, let me let me help you out. We all just went through a pandemic. Okay, every last one of us have survived something, mm -hmm. and, and whether you want to admit it or not, this whole world. Was on a lockdown. The whole, the whole world, not your neighborhood, the entire world was <laughs> on lockdown. So we all have had some had to survive something. And whenever you're in a state where you're always having to survive, you kind of get that mentality of a survival mode where I'm just going to survive. Now let me. What let me ask you this? What kind of what kind of gave everyone a hint? Um just gonna kind of give you a, a what we're gonna talk about to kind of make kind of make some things plain. Sometimes when we go through things, uh, uh Pam, 
sometimes we go through things, Arthur, um, we kind of feel like we have to hold on to survive. You know, sometimes when I watch those movies and sometimes people are kind of hanging on, like they're hanging on to a ledge or something. You know, they may be hanging on to a ledge or they're hanging on to a rope. And and, and, and they look down below them and they'll see the snakes or sharks or alligators. You know what right, I'm saying? Right. And the only way for them to not get eaten, the only way for them to make it through that, the only way for them to survive it is to hang on. And we have all kind of had those hang on moments. You know, mm-hmm. you look around and you got nobody else to call on. I don't have a plan B. I don't have a plan C. I don't have somebody else in my corner like that who can really help me. So right. a lot of us had those hanging on moments. And they ask you how you're doing. You put a smile on your face. Oh, I'm doing good. But really inside, you're hanging on. Oh, a yeah. lot of us have kind of had those hang on moments where sometimes we had to hang on uh some things just so we could survive have you always felt that you were in moments like that in which you had to kind of hang on to make it um well i put it to you like this right here um every moment was a hang on moment but the Mm. thing about it was um you know just having to go through what I went through at an early age, I had to, to develop, you know, tough skin, you know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? In order for me to, to make it through, you know, so I tend not to hold on, hold on. I mean, my brother told me that I had a a happy-go-lucky demeanor. I was one of the ones where I was, I was full of love. I was full of hugs. I was always happy. So regardless of what I went through, I was always happy. I was always, you know, giving, and I was always that you know, that person where you just really couldn't tear down my spirit. And uh, a lot of the elders, you know, back in the day, because like I said, I grew up in a small town. And, you know, when uh, my dad passed, you had a lot of elders that was instilling like a lot of, um, you could say, wisdom in me. And one thing that they did tell me was, okay, baby, when you go through something, you go through it for that day, but you leave it alone and you go on to the next day. You don't hold on to that. You know, you go on to you know, a, a better or brighter future. You know, you let yesterday, you know, be what yesterday is. You know, whatever problems was in yesterday, you let it stay where, is it, where it is. So, you know, a lot of the elders, that's how they were able to continue on because they would go through something yesterday, but when the next day came, they didn't worry about it. They didn't deal with it. You know, they prayed, gave it up exactly. to God, and you know, that was it. But see, we didn't know without being young that that's what they were doing. So we never saw them crying or mad or worried because that's what they did. They left everything in that day. And not bring it on to the next day. So, like I said, I really didn't have the luxury to do that, you know, because I wasn't mm. taught to hang on like that. I was taught to be strong and move forward. Wow. And and, and so the coping skills that you're that you're cultivating, really what you were doing was cultivating co- uh, coping skills to deal with life as life was coming at you. And mm-hmm. and, and, and guys, listen, we underestimate coping skills in today. Today's world is automatic. Push a button and you can talk to somebody around the world. You know, email somebody. You could talk to somebody in a country you've never been to. So everything is so in your face, got to have right now, instantaneous. And a lot of times we overlook coping skills. And, and, and I'm going to be honest with you guys. It doesn't matter 
where you may be in your life, what stage you may be in your life, or what your way may be. Maybe you may have more opportunities in life than others. But coping skills will always allow you to continue to grow, continue to deal with it, because as long as we draw a breath in our bodies, we will always have to cope with something. Mm-hmm. And one of my coping skills that I um that I developed was laughter and jokes. So laughter. I would joke, I would joke about a horrible situation. I would make fun. I would, you know, just make a joke about it in order to help me, you know, to get through that particular, you know, situation. And you know, a lot of people like, so okay, so that would have messed me up. So why you so happy or you okay with that? Exactly. Yeah. I'm like, baby, it is what it is. I joke about it. I joke with it and I keep it moving. So I had to build that, you know, in order to sort of keep myself sane. <laughs> exactly. And, and and what laughter does, it laughter begins to uh, release those endorphins in our brains. And let me help you out, guys. When we begin to release those, those happy endorphins in our brains, our brains will not be able to tell the difference between an actual situation that makes us feel good or something we're just laughing at. In other words, you'll still get the same result. You'll still get the same reaction. You'll still feel the same way. Your brain will not know that it doesn't know the difference between you're just having a coping skill moment or if you're eating your favorite food or if you're at your favorite park or if you're watching your favorite movie. Your brain doesn't know. So your brain will respond in the same way. So laughter as a coping skill is a good way to tell your brain, turn off this grief, turn off this misery, and look at something different. It's a way to teach our brains to have a different perspective of the same situation, of the exact same situation. So what you're, what you're saying, Akasai, is this, that when you begin to laugh, when you develop and cultivated your that that laughter as a coping skill, you began to see things from a different perspective than other individuals. They thought you would be upset, you know, right. broken down. They had no idea you was coping with it. That you right. was telling your brain, right. I'm gonna see this from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. If you ever want to survive, part of it is seeing things from a different perspective. Right, right. Wow, wow. How did things so you you went from a small town with Mississippi, right? Mm-hmm. So you went from a small town in, in Mississippi. So right. how did things change for you after you moved from one state to another? Because Mississippi to now Birmingham is not, you know, it's not New York, it's not Chicago, right? But it's a huge difference from Mississippi to yeah. Birmingham. It's, it, it was a huge difference. And see, the thing about it is, the, see, what changed for me when I moved and the reason why I moved, it was because of the finances. Because, see, down there in small town, there are no jobs. Oh, I wow. mean, when I say no job, I mean no job. So the jobs that I were doing, I was doing adult sitting. I was doing babysitting. I was um doing hair. Mm-hmm. And also, and a lot of, <laughs> when I tell a lot of people, they like, girl, stop lying. But uh, I chopped cotton, okay? I was in the field. Oh, wow. I chopped cotton. Okay. You are not going to just say that and think I'm not going to pump brace on that one. Uh-uh, baby. I, ch- I chop cotton. <laughs> when you I tell you, see the thing, look, look at my skin color. Look at my skin color. See the thing about it is, I used to be paper sack brown. Uh-uh, baby. I am blue black. Uh-uh. 
Nah. See, working out there in the field, 98 degree, 98 degree weather to 105 degree sun. Come on, man. See, I'm okay now. One of the stories with the um with the working in the field, which was so horrible. This is just how bad it was. It was 105 degrees that day, uh-huh. and I didn't know. No one told me that you were not supposed to wear blue jeans when you out there chopping cotton because we're out there from like six o'clock in the morning to like four five o'clock in the evening. Okay, you get one lunch break, which lasts for an hour, but you do get a 15 minute break every two hours. Okay, so we were young, you know, and you know, so I guess you, you felt maybe 15 minutes every two hours was all right for young folks. But anyway, um, it was wow. so hot that day, and I remember that day in the field, we were running from snakes like all day. <laughs> we were running from snakes <laughs> all day in that cotton field. It was horrible. But when I I came home, and I remember my stomach was hurting, and when I came home, do you know my blue jeans were welded to my stomach? And it took my mama 30 minutes. I, I can't even remember. I know she used Crisco oil. Y'all know about that Crisco. Don't play. But, <laughs> mm-hmm. she, used, she used Crisco oil to put, on, to put on my skin and to put on the pants. And she had to slowly peel my skin, you know, from the pants. And my skin came off on my blue jeans. So that's just how hot it was that day and how much I had worked. So the thing about it, and, and we're doing this for $4.25 an hour. Come on, y'all. So, like I said, when it's a small town, you don't have any jobs. You don't have anything that you can really do. I did everything that I could do just to try to make money and get what I needed. Because, like I said, my, my mom, she wasn't able to really, you know, um, afford the things that I needed. So, I had to work and get it. Right. You know, so even if it, it meant working in the field to get it, okay, that's what I did. So, my thing is, I was excited to be able to not be there. I was excited to be able to move because I knew with a bigger city, okay, I can find a job easier. Mm. You know, the finances will be way more. You know, right, I'll be able right, to, right. you know, uh, you know, help my mom do this, do that. You know what I'm saying? So, right. yeah, that's what changed for me when I moved. But another thing was I was used to people being nice and, you know, the hospitality back at home. But when I got up here to the city, right, right. Yeah, hey, so mean. That was so <laughs> I mean, you know, we used to, you know how it is when you're in the car and, you know, you, you drive by someone, you, you wave, you know, everybody always wave. <laughs> I tried that when I first moved up here. Folks were looking at me crazy, rolling their eyes. And I was like, why are these people being so mean to me? <laughs> <laughs> like, what, like, what are you, like, you want something. What do you want? You're speaking. Right. You're speaking. Like, what do you want? But, you know, but as far as, the, like I said, the, the finances, you know, changed for me. And like I said, the people and, you know, being in a bigger city. So that's what changed. But, um. You know, and, and and just like if, if you didn't leave, you know, mm-hmm. a small town, you would have to join the military if you really want to go somewhere or make something out of yourself. Or, you know, yeah. So it's like you either had military or you had to leave. And only 25 percent of the people after graduating would leave. But for the most part, 75 percent of the people would still be there and still stay there. So I just knew I couldn't do that. I, so. Wow. I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna snitch on your friend Monica, but she put her running from snakes. <laughs> Girl, we were running too, honey. We, we was messing up other folks' roll that they didn't chop, honey. Oh, we were running. Trying to get away. Like, day. <laughs> yeah, so so it sounds like you went from one from one level of of you know what you were surviving, and then you came to Birmingham. Uh, you know kind of get acclimated to this everything that was going on but you had to learn from what when you were introducing yourself you said man i i had i had some poor choices so you still were struggling to survive and yeah. and, and it wasn't that you, it, and here's what i don't hear i don't hear you are a terrible person 
I just hear you the person thrown in the fire to survive. Like a lot of people who are listening right now, and you you may be dealing with some things, guys, but maybe it's just because you're just you, you've been trying to survive all this time. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Wow. Wow. That's that's crazy, man. Snakes in Mississippi. Four dollars. <laughs> uh, how much you made an hour? It was like four dollars and twenty five cents an oh, hour. Lord yeah. help. And four so we, I mean, but we were, we were pretty. We, we ran from the snakes, but you know we were pretty pretty much used to the wildlife. Because like if it rained hard, you can open your door after you get through rain, and then you'll see an alligator, you know, something like that in your front yard. Oh, no. You're like, oh okay. So if anything, you chase okay. it, you can kill it. And what Wait, did y'all hear that? She said, oh okay. Yeah. Uh, if anybody me. thinks it's okay, Look, let's not act like that, y'all. You gonna tell me you ain't never had alligator meat? Come on, don't play yeah, like I that. I have, but not in my front yard. <laughs> <laughs> not in my front yard, man. So, and I, I like I like the fact that you do laugh, and, and, and your strength is in your laughter. Look at Laura Hunter. <laughs> I know, right, Laura? Eyeballs. I know, right? Um, <laughs> I like the fact that you do laugh, uh, author size, uh, because it is a testament of your strength. And, and and the people will will think that hey you're being weak they'll think that you're you know you're not taking the situation seriously but they again it goes back to coping skills whenever we're trying to survive we have to develop strong coping skills and a lot of times people people go through so many traumatic things in their life and we don't develop coping skills and we end up on that ledge again we end up with that holding on moments all over again. You know how this, you can see somebody 10 years, 10 years, and you go back to them 10 years later, they do, they still holding on. Dude, why are you still holding on to that same ledge after 10 years? At <laughs> some point, you got to begin to start pulling yourself up. I get it. It's tough. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm, not, I'm not trying to minimize anyone's situation. Anyone thing, anything that you're dealing with, any hardship, because any hardship that each of us are dealing with as individuals, you know, our minds would tell us no one else is dealing with this but you. They would say, no one else is facing this but you. It's the hardest thing you've ever had in your life. And that absolutely may be true. But at some point, we have got to be trying to develop some coping skills to pull ourselves up. Now, did you still find yourself? Um, hanging on or reaching to survive, even though you have begin to develop these coping skills and begin to kind of have a shift in the way you kind of look at things? Yeah, um, yeah, especially after I moved, yeah, mm. because um, after, after I moved, the thing about it is you got a um, new location and you got new people, but it's, you know, you still having to, you know, cope and you still have to maintain, you know, new location exactly. only means new situations and new problems. That's all that means. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. I'm saying that then it was sort of magnified, you know, being in the city and, you know, um, being engaged with so many different people because, you know, you have your your few there that you know uh-huh. that you see on a daily basis, but you know, having to see a different face all the time, you know, that was different and that was new. And see, uh, I was a waitress, um, at uh-huh. Red Lobster, so <laughs> yeah, Red Lobster, yeah, but I was a waitress there. And, um, you know, the, the thing about it is, I saw people, and the, the only ones that was really nice to me were my coworkers. They were only mm. ones that were really nice. Everybody else outside of the coworkers, you know, they were, like I said, I guess mean because they didn't understand who I was and they didn't understand my character. But right. um, they thought because I was so happy and cheerful and stuff like that, they just thought that I was young and gullible and naive. Correct. You know, they Correct. didn't understand that that's just how I was. So they sort of had like a protection thing when it came to me. Okay, she's the youngest because I was the youngest at the time. You know, that was working there. So they thought that they just needed to um protect me. But, you know, like I said, meeting other people, you know, and me not knowing them, but, you know, still trying to give people the benefit of the doubt regardless of what I went through. uh, That was very challenging, too. And uh, uh, to use that, as, OK, an example, um, it was this guy that we were hanging around. He him and his cousin, they were um gangsters. You know, they were drug dealers. They was everything under the sun but you know we knew we hadn't been hanging around but we was doing it anyway because they were neighbors of ours uh at the apartment complex that we were living in and so um you know me being nice he thought the 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 little the he thought that that was me wanting to get with him or wanting to be with him so in his mind he had fantasized that you know we were together we were a couple and there was nothing like that you know what i'm saying so me being nice to him, you know, was something that's totally different than me being nice, you know, to the people at work or me being nice to the people back at home. So, you know, you never know where a person's mind is at. But, you know, just by me, you know, being nice like that um, and, you know, him going off on me the day that he went off on me, in which I'm going to tell you about it, but um, what happened that day was he, um, him and his cousin came over to play cards. You know, we used to play cards, do all little whatever after work. And so they came over to play cards, but I wasn't feeling good that day. So I really didn't want company. I really didn't want anybody there. So um, he ended up, you know, sort of going off, getting mad and going off on me or whatever, because I said that I didn't want, you know, anyone that I didn't want in the company. But uh, long story short, um, they, my roommate snuck them in when she knew that I told her not to, you know, let them come back in, but she snuck them in and I told them to leave. They didn't want to leave. And this dude pulled a gun on me. I'm talking about you right here with that. You know what I'm saying? And I'm oh, saying to myself, like, wow. really? that was like my first time ever having a gun pulled on me. And he did it only because he was in his feelings, only because he was upset because I told them to leave. But you were looking at me being nice and me being sweet and you calculated it to do something else uh totally different correct and, correct you know you held me at gunpoint you know talking crazy because i didn't want you to leave my place you get what i'm saying so that's why i said you got new places and new problems because like i said back at home that never happened so me being in the big city and i'm like you know folks pulling guns out just because you told them to leave the house so, uh, it's my i pay the bills are you serious so my roommate you know she what happened when we were out on the balcony 
and he mm. slammed the door so hard that the door was was jammed. The door didn't open, so oh, it took his cousin and it took my roommate, you know, to try to uh, unjam the door. And the whole time he got a gun in my head, talking crazy, his finger on the trigger, and I'm sitting here trying to talk him down. And you know, he's saying crazy stuff out of his mouth. You know, you my old lady, you my woman, da da da. And I'm like, since when? I'm like, when you when we talk about this? You know, so I don't know whether he was drunk because he was drinking, but. I don't know what was going on in his mind, but, you know, for you to do that, you know, that sort of gave me a different perspective towards the people there. So I'm like, okay, so this is how they act when, you know, you tell them simple things, you know, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I'm like, you know what, uh-uh, I ain't, I ain't got time for that. But once they got the door open and, you know, uh, they talked them down and, you know, he left and I was like, I was so, I was shocked. I was surprised that day. And I was oh, like, I can imagine. I can, I can only imagine. That, that, situation at that point that was scary you know for him to do that but um the uh the thing about it is i can say that he did get his life together he got saved and he saw me like five years later in in walmart and he apologized to me and he was like i'm so sorry i did that or whatever blah 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 you know uh-huh. um, i've been to apologize all this time and i was praying that i run into you to let you know that you know i'm sorry for doing that and you know if my finger had a trip on the um you know the trigger, right, right, you, right. And, you know, I would have been sitting in prison, you would have been dead, and da da da. And I'm like, you know what, baby, you saved, you go to church, you love God. I am too. You know, we were stupid, dumb, young, you know, yeah, you were yeah. looking for validation, you know, in the streets, you know, thinking that this oh, was, come you, on now, you know, you had to be a thug and a gangster or whatever in order for you to get love. And, you know, I mean, like I said, I was young and dumb too. So, you know, I was like, I forgive you, you good, you know. So he was like, I can't believe that. And I'm like, what you mean? Like, you can't believe I'm forgiving you. Baby, I forgave you and forgot about that long time ago. You know, I just never told you in the the past five years. You know, you didn't know, but yeah, so it's 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 something else having to deal with, you know, the situations and other people and other problems and stuff like that, you know, that you go through. But like I said, it's just because, you know, I'm in another, you know, place, you know, doesn't mean that the problems and the situations don't, you know, exist. They do. It's just a different location, but you still got, you know, problems. Boom. You hit the head, you hit the nail right on the head. A lot of times what we try to do, author, uh, science is this, Sam. What we try to do is we figure, well, if I just move away from it, if I act like it never happened, if I pretend it never took place, you know, instead of taking that thing, facing it head on. And congrats, I mean, you, you had some incredible courage to do that. But the thing is that when you move to a different place, a different city, if, if we don't address the issue, we ran from do you understand your problem knows your address exactly Hello. it knows it when you do a change of address form your problem is doing a change of address form right, right along with you so we cannot run from it the things that we are trying to survive we have to address my face you mm-hmm. mentioned walmart what a great segue to what i have to i'm going to do next guys what i'm going to do right here and if you look in the chat if you look in the chat, guys, you will see two links. The first link is one of our first sponsors here at TMG. Tell me something good podcast. And it is with Walmart. That's right, guys. Walmart is an affiliate sponsor of TMG. Tell me something good podcast. If you click on that link or scan the QR code, guys, you can go on there and you can shop. You can buy. Do what you want to do. But guys, listen to this. Guys, listen. Listen, when you do use that link or scan that code, I may earn a commission when you buy it through that link. And also, 
we have another or another brand new sponsor to the show, guys. It is fanatics.com. Do you have any sports fans in your house? I know I do. I do a lot of shopping on fanatics.com. So now, Nicole, you know where I get some of your jerseys from. Yep, there you go. Now you know the secret's <laughs> out. Fanatics.com, guys, they are an official sponsor of all the major league sports like NFL, MLB, NASCAR, NHL, guys. So Fanatics.com, scan the QR code or click on the link that's in the chat already. So there you go, guys. Please use that and sponsor uh, those who sponsor TMG. So when did things kind of begin to kind of change for you or at what moment did can you say you began to say to yourself you wanted to see something different than just survival pam um after the first five years of uh moving here because i was 19 years old when i moved so after the first five years i had to be at least 24 years old um well the thing about it is that <laughs> when my old crew rejected me you know and, and it was so funny how they rejected me but when when they started rejecting me i knew i had to start <laughs> So I got saved and started going to church, but I ain't tell nobody, right? So oh, when they wait, 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 you just undercover? Was you undercover, Miss Pam? I was undercover, but they found out, right? They found out that I started going to church. So when I so on Wednesday nights I stopped working and on uh, Sunday mornings I stopped working. So they were wondering what was going on. So <laughs> My um my friend was like, you know, you know, she got saved. She started going to church. So <laughs> I'm used to after uh some of our shifts on the weekend, you know, because we used to do karaoke on Thursdays, you know, we used to drink and you know, dance and act a fool and all that. And uh on the weekends we used to sit at the bar and drink. So I think I'm gonna come over there, hey, go ahead, order my Bahama mama, have it ready, you know. <laughs> I get out of work. I'm thinking I'm gonna drink my little drink, I'm gonna sit at the bar with everybody else. We finna, you know, kiki ha ha. They said they, they didn't call me um, you know, Tam, but they called me Sam. So uh-huh. that was like a little nickname. They were like, Sam, Sam, uh-uh, nah, baby. Uh use for the Lord. Now, so you can't sit with us, <laughs> you can't sit with the no, sinners. You gonna you gonna spoil us, no ma'am. You 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 not gonna run us. <laughs> this is exactly what they said. Our mamas told us that angels and devils don't play together. <laughs> Y'all, you going over there. We ain't mad at you, but you can't sit with us. But the killing part about it was right. They they was like, no, baby, put the drink down. You you a Christian now. You ain't supposed to drink in front of us. <laughs> so they took my drink out of my hand. They oh said, no, baby, God, go on no. home. They pushed me out the door, told me to go home and say, hey, please pray for us sinners. <laughs> <laughs> so after they said it was so funny, I'm sitting here looking like, well, I'm still a sinner too. <laughs> I was trying to get my drink on. They didn't want to do that. So they was like, no, nah, baby, you started going to church. So uh-uh. So. I knew then I was like, you know what? Um, when the old crew tell you it's time to go, it's time to change. It, it really is. And then another thing that uh sort of enlightened me to um to really want to change was when my friend that I had moved down here with, my um real good friend, I saw her like a, a big sister. She was so sweet. Um, she had passed away, and um I ended up having to um drive back home. Which was a four-hour drive, oh, wow. and uh, she had died on the Palm Sunday, but um, her funeral was that Saturday, which was uh, the day before Easter. Mm-hmm. And 
um, you know, when I found out the news, um, when she passed away or whatever, you know, they were expecting for me not to go to work, but I ended up going to work anyway. So, you know, that would just take my mind off of, you know, her. Right, right, you know, right. And so um, I had drove down that that Friday, but what ended up happening was I hadn't slept. I hadn't slept since Thursday. So I worked uh, both my jobs. I worked in the salon and I, um, you know, worked at the restaurant. I hadn't slept since Thursday and I ended up driving down um, Friday. It had the, I don't know, I think it was like midnight or something like that. I made it maybe like at 4, 4.30 that morning to my mom's house. And see, my mom hadn't seen me in a while. So, you know, we sat up, we talked for a little bit and I'm thinking mm-hmm. I'm gonna get some sleep. I ended up not getting any sleep. So it's time for the funeral to start. Ended up going to the funeral and I'm like, you know what? Um, I gotta go back because I knew I had to go to church the next day and correct, you know, had to, you know, sing, dance, do a lot of other other different things in the church. So I'm like, okay, I gotta go back. I gotta get back. And so um I had left to go back. I had um went to the gas station, you know, back then they had the little stuff that the no dose and all that other stuff that you can take, oh, yeah. you know, to keep oh, yeah. you from going to sleep yeah. and all yeah, that yeah. or whatever. Remember so that, I ended up taking yeah, yeah. See, that's that's the old school. That's what the one that nobody did from 25 years ago, you know. Yeah, yeah, but, um, but I ended up taking one thinking that, okay, this will keep me woke. And it was sort of cool outside. So I had the window roll down. And, you know, I'm like, okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to make it back. I'm going to make it back. I just kept saying I'm going to make it back. And so there was this truck that I was um, driving behind. And I know I was going 80 miles per hour on cruise control because I was trying to hurry to make it back. And right. I had been behind this truck for a while. So I'm thinking, okay, well, if it's a fake trooper up there, it's going to stop you before they stop me. Correct. So, while being behind the, the truck, um, I ended up falling asleep. Okay. Mm. So I fell asleep. But the thing about it was, I'm this is just how tired I am. I fell asleep. I woke up. Then I went right back to sleep. <laughs> okay. So while going back to sleep, I don't know how long I was asleep. All I know is when I did wake back up the second time, my car was driving itself. <laughs> okay. It was driving itself. So, and the car was on the opposite side of the road and it was driving straight. And I'm mean, you know, being delirious, I'm looking over at the truck, you know, that I I was behind that I'm now passing. And I'm looking at the road. I look back at the truck and I'm looking at my steering wheel and it's just the car driving itself straight on the road, the whole shebang. And when I finally realized and it clicked, I'm like, okay, so my car driving itself, I'm like, oh my goodness, I was asleep. And so I put my hands on the steering wheel and I'm like, okay, um, I rolled the window down and I'm like, oh Lord have mercy. I'm like, oh my goodness, I, I thank you, Lord, because I just did not know. I did not know. So I ended up calling my mom and I had told her I fell asleep and um she told me to pull over, you know, get some rest and then drive home once once I got home to call her and let her know. So um I pulled over, did just like she told me, and um I slept for a little while and then I ended up um driving home and I had made it back around about midnight that night. In which I left at four, so I was supposed to make it back at eight. So that lets you know I will sleep for a while. Like I said, I don't know wow. how long, but wow. I will sleep for a while. But wow. um, like I said, that definitely just like I said, seeing the car drive itself, it's like I knew God sent an angel, you right. know, to drive right. that car for me. And when I made it home, my mom had told me, which I didn't know that that's what she was doing, but she had told me that she was reading the Bible and praying the entire time, from the time I left to the time I called her, she was reading and praying. So I'm like, okay, so those prayers that mama, you know, was praying. Uh, it was working for you. That, yeah, that worked because, like I said, there was no way that my car was supposed to have been driving itself like that because there's plenty of times that I only drove like 30 minutes away or maybe an hour away just mm-hmm. being in Mississippi 
and I ran off the road. I didn't hear the deer. I didn't wow. hear you know, wow. armadillos and possums and everything else. And, you know, I'm all in the ditch. So for me to know that I fell asleep and was still on the road and, you know, knowing that I can drive short distances and still was hitting, you know, animals and stuff like right, that. You know, right. That was a moment that I knew that that was God, you know. So what, so, what I'm what I'm hearing, Pam, is this, that when we're talking about surviving, what I'm hearing is that we 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 develop coping skills. Mm -hmm. I'm hearing we change our perspective. But I'm, mm -hmm. I'm also hearing that we can't be afraid to believe in the impossible. We, right. we, and a lot of times when we're when we have gone through so much trauma, we've gone through so much pain, so much hurt and so much unexpected things. It's difficult for us to believe in the impossible. It's impossible. You know how sometimes you deal with some things and we start believing it's impossible for things to get better for me. It's impossible for me to have a better outlook. It's impossible for somebody to select me. It's impossible for me to choose. So we cannot be afraid to believe in the impossible. And and, and listen, guys, let me help you out. I'm going to say this to you. Whether you believe in the Bible or not, that's not what we're here to prove. That's not what we're here to prove. We're here to tell you this. Your impossible may look differently than someone else's impossible. Somebody's impossible may be, it's impossible for me to lose weight that I'm trying to lose. It's impossible for me to break this habit that I'm trying to break. Whatever your impossible is, that you've been trying to hold on, you've been surviving it, whatever your impossible is, you can't be afraid to believe the impossible. The only way it's ever going to get better, we got to step outside of ourselves, Pam, and believe the impossible. We've been believing everything else so far, and all we can do is have hanging on moments, and there's more to life than hanging on. If you watch those movies and people are kind of hanging on before alligators get them or they fall into this, this water of sharks, Somehow it starts with them looking up and then they look down and then they look up again and they realize my back is against the wall. I'm either going to stay here or I'm going to, or I'm going to fall. And they begin, it starts with the arm movement. It starts with them swinging their legs. Listen, if you got to swing your legs, get up. If you got to move your elbow, get up. If you got to crawl first, get up. Sometimes it takes believing in the impossible to get ourselves up. So what is, you're, you're this exciting person with this big personality, loves to laugh. What is your motivation? I think you've already answered this one. What's your motivation that kind of keeps you turning those corners and turning those pages to say to yourself, don't just survive, Pam, live. What's, what's your motivation? My, being alive is my motivation. Hey, I know that's right, Pam. <laughs> that is that. See, see, that's that's the first one right there. Being alive is, is my motivation. Um, because being chosen and favored by God, you know, knowing that uh he kept saving me over and over again, you know, is enough to motivate me. Because really to tell you the truth, after the 25th time that God saved my life and I knew I was hoping dead, I stopped counting. I ain't gonna lie, I stopped counting, I just started praying. I'm like, you know what got you. <laughs> You, you did it again. You did it again. You know what I'm saying? So you got me here for a reason. You know what I'm saying? And I thank you for being alive. 
okay, knowing that he preserved my life in order for me to be able to, you know, be a blessing to others and for me to be able to um, help others is also another motivation. Right, right, right. Biggest motivation, <laughs> uh, my haters. <laughs> it's the haters, it's the critics, it's the, the used to be friends, it's the family members that don't believe in you. You get what I'm saying? See, that's mm -hmm. motivation enough because, see, you're not right here waiting for me to fail. You're not right here looking, trying to see when I'm going to fail. No, uh -uh, I'm carrying purpose. So guess what? That's my motivation. I need to stay alive so I can show y'all I didn't fail. So this is what you need to see. Personal, <laughs> personal goals is a, are a great motivation. And oh, yeah. I've learned this. We should never spend our energy, use our energy trying to impress individuals, trying to impress mm -hmm. individuals who wanted you to fail anyhow. Why do right. that? Guys? Exactly. Why, why do that? In your book, in your book, let me show everybody your book here. Uh, I'm going to bring up your book. Um, I want everybody to look at your, your book. And um, we're not going to go over the whole book, guys. I promise we're not. We're not. I'm not going to do that to you. We're not going to go over the book, guys. But I am going to bring something up out of her book that I thought that was uh, that caught my attention. So I'm going to bring something up uh, out of her book. I got it coming here. Uh, well, I was gonna, what's the name of your book? What's your book's entitled? God Preserve My Life. There it is. God, I'm going to put it on the screen. There it is. Sounds that's her book, guys. That, that's her book, God Preserve My Life. And, uh, and, and certainly she's been saying a lot of those things that prove that God has preserved her life. And guys, let me tell you something. Whether you accept it, believe it or not, what she's saying is sometimes you just have to step outside of who you are and not be afraid to believe again. And mm -hmm. a lot of times when we're in modes where we have just been surviving, we become afraid to believe again. And what you're saying, what you're, I, I read your book and what, some of your book, and what your book is telling me when I read it, it says, don't be afraid to believe again. And, yeah. and I think that's what the whole premise of the book is. We can't be afraid to believe again. We start getting to survival mode and we become too afraid to believe. Guys, you cannot be afraid to believe again. Monica said, yeah, it is an awesome book. I agree with you, Monica. I agree with you. In your book, uh, God Preserved My Life, there's a poem titled, You Can't Stop Me, You'll See. And you wrote this line in there. This line says, there's no stopping what you can't understand or tearing down what's meant for me. There's no stopping what you can't understand or tearing down what's meant for me. Can you elaborate uh, what that means briefly a little bit and share with someone who's listening, someone who may be dealing with what you're dealt with or some similar situations or just facing some tough times right now who are saying, you know what, Travis, Pam, you know, I'm holding on. I'm having that hang on moment right now. Guys, I'm having that hang on moment right now. And I feel like sometimes, you know, the world's against me. Things are against me. Can you kind of elaborate a little bit on that, what that means? Yeah, um, it's it's a story, actually, that's behind that particular um, poem. The thing about it is um, every poem that I've written was off of impulse. It was off of something that happened. Mm -hmm. So as soon as that, whatever that was that happened, it's, um, I ended up with words. I ended up, you know, writing a poem um, about it. Right, and right. Even after writing the poem, you know, I went back and I read it and like all my other poems, and I'm like, you know what? 
Is that a preach? I'm like, that, was, okay. that was pretty good. That shocked me. That was good. Okay, God, I see you showing out. I see you showing out. So, you know, the, the, the poem, even though the situation that I went through, you know, birthed the poem, you know, that I wrote or whatever the poems are that's in the book, you know, the, uh, I went through, the thing about it is the poem still had, you know, a, a message behind it. And um, the message behind that one, the story behind that poem um, in which when it says there's no stopping what you can't understand. So you're not going to be able to understand a person, you know what I'm saying, without getting to know them. And see, I had a lot of people that was trying to judge me without even getting to know who I was. Wow. You know what I'm saying? So, oh, yeah, that, so you would try, to, you would try to see what was happening, what was going on, because you didn't know who I was. And then you have a lot of people that's, you know, uh, going behind your back, trying to do things, trying to say things, trying to talk about you, trying to get you, you know, in trouble. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Going behind you. you oh, know, yeah. Oh, yeah. You down or trying to tear down your relationship. or You know, there are because uh, everyone can relate. You know, to someone going behind their back or trying to tear something down or trying to destroy something in their life. And everyone can relate to somebody trying to stop them because they don't understand who they are. But the um the story behind that was there was a friend of mine at that time because we're not friends anymore. But there was a friend of mine at the time that um he I didn't know that she was, you know, jealous of me. And um, it was people telling me because they could see me, you know, like I said, being nice, you know, trying to give people the benefit of the doubt and me not being able to um really see what other folks can see because you know other people can see and read things in other people and you can't because you know you got the forefront you try to get people the benefit of the doubt and right know, right they're your friend blah 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 so with me thinking that she was my friend i didn't see what other people were seeing so they were telling telling me you know girl okay watch out she's a snake she's jealous she's this she's that blah 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 and i'm like no she's not like that oh we're friends and so um she ended up, she started saying little things or whatever. They started letting me, you know, believe what the other people's telling me. Okay, yeah, she, you know, starting to act crazy with me, but I'm like, okay, I'm still gonna give you the benefit of the doubt. So, uh, there was this person that had came into um, the salon and we were talking, having a real good conversation. And you got jealous of the conversation because the thing about it is, God sent people to me, you know, based on the things that I've been through. You know, like I told you, the, the unsavory people, you know, the drug dealers, the killers, the gangsters, all these type of people, whatever. So, you know, in order to help them to come to Christ, I don't beat you upside the head with a Bible. You get what I'm saying? I tell you what I did, what, what, what was going on with me. And then I subtly, you know, will let you know, well, you don't have to do the things that you're doing. But, you know, even if you are, you know, God's still going to love you anyway, whatever, blah, blah, blah. You know, you'll come out the streets just like I did. You know, it took a minute. I had people telling me, don't do this, don't do that. But, you know, still, I had to learn what I had to learn. And I came out the streets on my own, you know. But when when the people came in the salon, she kept trying to bash them over the side of the head, you know, with the the, the holy grail of everything. Oh, don't say the Lord, you're going to hell, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you can't tell me so bad. You know, girl, you better go somewhere. But so we had that particular disagreement and she got upset because this is this isn't a competition. You know, if you're in with the Lord and you want to help people, you know, we need to be doing this together. Not you getting upset, not you getting mad and not you trying to tear me down. But, you know, you got whooping and she pulled around here now. Okay? But um, but what she did was like a, she used to deal in witchcraft. I didn't know that. You know what I'm saying? That she was dealing in witchcraft. Right. And so several people had told me they used to see. um. A, a gold circle or maybe purple they used to see like this you know glow over me and i never knew that that was the hedge of protection i never knew that that's what that was but i've had several people to tell me you know um preachers and you know prophets and stuff like that but like i said you know i was still in that learning stage at the time when this happened and so um uh, i was gone from the salon and uh but i came back 
Now she, I guess, called herself whipping up what she was gonna whip up with her little witchcraft spells and this and that and all that little stuff, whatever. Okay, she ended up leaving that day. But there was a woman of God that had came from Mobile. And um, I was still at the shop. I was the last person that was there. Um, me, my shampoo tech, and my client. And so when the lady came in, she came in. My station is in the back. And the other stations were up front. So it was like only three stations that was in the back. So you have to, you know, deliberately walk all the way back there. You know what I'm saying? Like to actually see my face because, you know, there's mirrors everywhere. But you still have to deliberately walk back in order to um, get back there to where I was. So when she came back there, uh, she just started speaking in tongues. We hopped up because <laughs> at this point, you know, we didn't pretty much know much about that, you know, with the speaking of tongues and stuff like that. And when she, baby, we hopped up, we were like, hey, what's going on with that lady? What's wrong with her? But I didn't understand she was seeing in the spirit a witchcraft spell. And she was praying it, you know, she was rebuking it and she was, you know, casting it out. She was doing the whole shebang. So I learned something that day from her with her doing that. But um, she told me this lady didn't know me. She didn't know the other girl that was supposed to be my friend. This lady said, I mean, she told me everything. She was like, well, people have been trying to warn you about her. She's jealous. She, she put a spell on your station. She's, she don't want you to be able to succeed. She's trying to keep you from making money. She's trying to keep you from talking to people. You know, she's wishing bad things on you, you know, and I'm like, what? So, you know, she ended up praying with me and all of that. And I'm like, okay, so the lady basically was telling me she's been trying to stop you the entire time that she was here. And she had been there for a whole entire year. And she had been doing her little witchcraft spells. And she had been doing all of that. But the whole time, God had been protecting me because he had a hedge of protection around me that I didn't know, you know, like I said, that he had that hedge of protection. But obviously, you were protecting me because none of what she was doing worked. And so after, you know, that day when the lady, you know, did what she did, said what she said, prayed and all that or whatever, the poem came up. And I was like, so this girl been trying to stop me this whole entire time and it did not work. And I'm like, okay, because what's meant for me is meant for me, regardless of what you do. And she ended up getting fired. <laughs> so God removed her so we didn't have to worry about her anymore. There you go. There we go. All right. See, this is why I love live. Anything can happen. <laughs> Anything can happen when you go live. That's why I love it. That's why I love it. Uh, uh, what I want you to do is do me a favor. Uh, uh, tell everybody where they can, how they can get a, a copy of your book, how they can get their hands on your book. Well, since I'm um, selling it myself, um, you can DM me um, on um, TikTok, mm -hmm. Instagram, and YouTube. So I have a lot of accounts, but uh, Pam's Hair Expo is actually um, the name for all three of those accounts. Uh-huh. So you can uh, DM me on um, Pam's Hair Expo, P-A-M-S-H-A-I-R-E-X-P-O. And that's all one word. Let me put it in chat again. What is it? P-A-M-S-H-A-I-R-E-X-P-O. So you can DM me if you're interested in the book or either you can email me. And I've already put the email address, guys, in 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 chat. I've already put the email address in chat, so you should be able to see it there as well. Okay, um, you you misspelled the. <laughs> I know it. I know. Do it again. Pam's hair expo. Let me see if I can. Um, I got it. I got, got it. it. Expo. There, I can spell Pam. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you still didn't spell it right. 
you know, you, you're terrible. You're terrible, fam. <laughs> you still didn't spell it right. P A M. What else? P A M S H A R. Uh huh. But you you had that part, but it was E X P O. So you left the E. You left the E out. That better? Leave my spelling alone. There we go. Pam's hair is full. Like I said, <laughs> you can use the Instagram, the YouTube, or the TikTok uh, with the Pam's hair expo. <laughs> just don't use my information because I didn't spell right. <laughs> exactly. Or you can just email me the size.tamitha at gmail.com. I think you had left that already. I did. I did put that in chat. I did spell that right because I, uh, I copied it off your card. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so, so most people do the email, yeah, when they request, and um, I can I'll, copy pretty good. Yeah, so it's like twenty bucks per book, and um, it's free shipping, uh, in the United States. So it's free shipping. Awesome, awesome. Listen, guys, I want to thank our very, very special guest, uh, Pam, for being here with us for being a good sport while the audio went out. Uh, thank you, everybody, for staying on and listening. I appreciate that, guys. Uh, I want to thank our very special guest author, Tia Sias, for being here. Guys, give her a, a hand clap for being a good sport for being here. We really, uh, this probably won't be your, your only time coming, so just get ready. We'll bring you back with your hair wrap, too. Uh, so we'll bring you back. Uh, uh, survival, guys, survival is not about the moments we may already be facing. It's not. It's not about the moment you're already facing. But it's all about, get that picture in your mind of that person kind of hanging on a ledge and there's animals or something beneath them or a person in a desert. So it's not about that moment that you're facing. Survival is not about that, but it's all about what we have coming next. The reason we pull ourselves up is because there is something next for you. We pull ourselves up for the next, guys. So it's all about what's coming next. So sometimes push may come to shove, but we, but what we survive it's also the story that we're supposed to tell. And that's what our author did for us tonight. Guys, it's about that time. As always, it's been a real blast. Listen, I want you to know that you can always visit our, our streaming platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pandora, and so many more to stream in your favorite episode. And don't forget to tune in right here each week. 6 p.m. Central Standard Time, 7 p.m. Eastern, to listen to the show. Guys, April is National Autism Awareness Month. So this month, we will be having two great episodes on autism. One next week, and uh, then another one right behind that. So you got to tune in next week to show if you want to see the episode. Again, thank you to our very, very special guest to everyone that's streamed in and everyone that's listening and watching all of the world. Before we get out of here, always and partying, if you're going to tell me something, then tell me something good. I got to get out of here. I got to go. Peace. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then 
place a $5 wager on any sport, you'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.